so uh, Galatians 6 and Mark 4 will be to, there tonight. Find my place first, okay. <clears throat> I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity to be able to speak to you all tonight. Well, uh, throughout the Bible, obviously, uh, we find many laws and principles that will help us in our walk and our Christian faith, right? Uh, tonight, I plan to talk about the law of sowing and reaping. Law of sowing and reaping, how appropriate how the Lord brings things together for us with the music and the prayers and all that. I, I think he's got something for us to learn here tonight, so, so pay attention, amen? If you found your place there, Galatians 6, let's pick it up here in verse 7 and read through verse 9. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 9 says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The title for my message tonight that I want you to consider, the question I want you to consider as we talk about this law of sowing and reaping, is what will your harvest be? What will your harvest be? Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you've given it to us, that we're still free to read it, free to preach it, uh, free to learn of thee, Lord. And I just thank you so much for that opportunity. Uh, we do also pray for our teens and, and pastors their way and uh, chaperones, Lord. Uh, give them a good time down there. Uh, speak to their hearts, Father. But Lord, tonight, as we open your word, I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts here tonight, that you would be glorified and honored. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sowing and reaping is considered uh, what they call an immutable law, an immutable law. Uh, Webster's 1828 defines immutable as unalterable, unavoidable, or something that does not change over time. It's basically something that will happen, uh, something that will come to pass. You may be familiar with uh, the law of gravity, right? What goes up must come down, right? Uh, or uh, Newton's third law of motion, um, uh, and uh, what is it? Uh, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction kind of a thing, right? Uh, so those are things that, that happen. They're physical laws that you can't change or you can't alter. Uh, how about agriculture? When you start thinking about agriculture, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, used farming in one of his examples there, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. You don't have to turn there, but uh, he said this. He said, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. He's basically saying you get out what you put in, right? That's kind of a simple way to boil that down there. Uh, Pastor Brooks mentioned something like this on Sunday. I wrote down the quote. He said, in your obedience, you obtain an abundance. I like that. In your obedience, you obtain your abundance. So it's a, kind of the same concept here. The more you obey, the more you'll be blessed, right? Amen. Amen. So keeping with that example of agriculture, there's lots of farming going around us lately, right? Uh, you're driving down the highway there, a lot of planting, harvesting, lots of hay bales you're seeing around there. Um, now, if a farmer on Highway 1416 or Interstate 90, uh, if he was sowing sunflower seeds along the highways there in those fields, what do you think he would expect from those crops? Sunflowers, right? Pretty, pretty easy. How about if he sows wheat or corn? Wheat or corn, right? Wow, this is the Wednesday night crowd. You guys are on it. Awesome. You guys are with it tonight. Uh, how about uh, a watermelon, right? 
did you know that a single watermelon seed can produce a vine that grows about 20 feet? That's about half of the auditorium here. 20-foot vine from one little seed. And on that vine, you can get two to four watermelons. Now, if you think about that watermelon seed, no matter how long that watermelon vine grows, no matter how many uh, that may, you may think it produces on that one particular vine, that watermelon seed will never make the mistake of growing a pumpkin, right? Because it's a watermelon seed, right? It's going to produce a watermelon. That's the, saw, the law of sowing and reaping there. <clears throat> That's what it's going to produce. I got to try to liven you guys up here a little bit. You're a little slow, so. <clears throat> That's the basic law there, sowing and reaping. So God established this law back in Genesis uh, chapter 1. You don't have to turn there, but um, we read here that the, the Lord made things to reproduce of their kind. Genesis 1.24 uh, says, uh, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So when it comes to winning souls, who do you think should be doing that? Christians, right? Christians. It's not going to be lost people. We can't expect lost people, people who are without Christ, to produce Christians, can we? Not of the same seed, right? That's, that's our job. We need to reach the lost. And as Bible-believing Christians, we need to be doing that part and sowing the gospel seed and seeing others come to Christ. Now, we know that we can't save anyone. We don't do the saving. We do the sowing, right? The Lord does the saving. The Holy Spirit uh, does the saving there. Uh, we water, we plant, those kinds of things. Non-believers are not going to do it. Uh, in fact, part of the reason that the mess our country is in today is because people don't know the Lord, because people don't have Christ in their hearts there. They don't know the truth of the Bible, and they've chosen to stray away from the truth. They don't seem to care about what made our country great in the first place. And, and, uh, and even today, people are trying to take our history away from us, trying to take our history away. I don't know if you've seen the video uh, online here recently of a little, little kid pulling a flag out of a ground. Out of the ground, did you guys see that? Little kid's on his scooter, uh, parent or an adult or guardian or something was on their bike in the street next to him. So the little kid, they're on the scooter. He stops, he sees the flag, he stops, pulls the flag out of the ground, throws the flag on the ground, and keeps going. And the, the guardian or the parent did nothing about it. And this is just a little kid. I mean, where are they learning that from, right? It's gotta be either from the schools or from the home or, or those kinds of things. But there's, there's no respect anymore. It's becoming less and less uh, there. And, you know, they're being indoctrinated, if you will, with this new buzzword, CRT, right? Critical race theory or whatever that is. They're just kind of bombarding kids with these things that are just not true. It was such a teachable moment uh, for that parent or that adult if they would have stood up and corrected that child and taught them about our heritage or taught them about our country, taught them about our flag, right? Uh, instead, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. You know, that's happening in our culture today. The adults are actually the ones that are propagating the hatred uh, amongst our children uh, because they don't know. I mean, they don't know. They're lost. They don't know Christ. That's all the more reason that we need to get out there and we need to reach the lost. Amen? That's what we need to be doing. Well, here's a, a, another public service announcement for you. So Saturday, Saturation Saturday, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be handing out these things. You don't have to talk to anybody. Uh, you can just go put it on the door hanger and then walk away. That's all you got to do. Uh, and if we have 550 of these, 
uh, to hand out. I got a bunch of maps, uh, so it'll be real easy for you. So, and uh, if we run out of those, and even if you want to take some of these, there's some on the table there, take some, give them to your neighbors, hand them out. We got to do our part, folks, in getting the gospel message out there. What an opportunity to reach our local kids here in our community and tell them the truth, reach them with the truth, right? Uh, so they're not throwing flags on the ground and they're being taught the right way. So that's, that was free. That was your opportunity there, public service announcement. And we'll move, move on back here to Galatians 6. Uh, so Paul's uh, giving us a comparison, if you will, of doing things in the flesh and doing things in the spirit. Uh, he's saying uh, those who sow to their flesh, those who sow uh, to their own strength will reap an unpleasant harvest. But those who sow to the spirit, those who do God's will, God's way, their harvest will be a bountiful harvest. How many of us here have tried to do things in our own flesh? Right? We've tried to do things, muscle our way through life, right? uh, and, and only to fall flat. Or maybe things didn't work out. Uh, maybe we didn't achieve those things that we thought we could achieve right, on our own. Uh, but when we, when we have God in the middle of it, that's all we need. We need to make sure God is at the center and keep on moving forward. Matthew Henry had this to say. He said, those who live a carnal life, instead of employing themselves to the honor of God and the good of others, they spend all their thoughts, all their care, all their time, about themselves. They must then expect no other fruit of such a course than a short-lived satisfaction at the present and a ruin and a misery at the end of it. But he goes on to say, he says, but on the other hand, those who sow to the Spirit under the guidance and influence of the Spirit do live a holy and spiritual life devoted to God in service to others. They shall reap life everlasting and they shall have the truest comfort in their present course and then life and happiness at the end of it. So it's important that we're not sowing to the flesh, folks, right? We've got to keep God in his proper place. Keep God at the center of our lives. So I don't know about you, but I want to strive to sow to the Spirit and reap blessings of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> now, uh, you know, not to have uh, things revolve around me, right? It's not all about me. Uh, and I want to pattern my life around those things uh, that, that will be pleasing to God and what God can do through me. So as you think about your life tonight and what it is uh, uh, that you have been sowing, what is it that you've been striving for in your home, in your workplace, or maybe even here in the church? What are these things that, that motivate you, that drive you? Uh, have you been sowing to the flesh, wanting things your way? Or have you been sowing to the Spirit, desiring to do God's will, God's way, right? Remember, sowing and reaping is an immutable law. You will reap what you sow. You will get out of it what you put into it kind of a thing, right? So what will, your, what will those results look like? We'll go back to the main question and the topic tonight. What will your harvest be at the end of what you're doing? You know, if there's anything that you take away from the message tonight, remember this. The harvest that you reap tomorrow will be determined by the seeds that you're sowing today. Let me say that again. The harvest that you reap tomorrow will be determined by the seeds that you are sowing right now. If you've been sowing seeds of bitterness and selfishness, you can't expect a harvest full of joy and unity, can you? Right? It just doesn't work that way. It's against the law. Uh, same thing goes with laziness or apathy. Uh, don't expect to be blessed if all you do is find ways to murmur and complain and coast through life. I think we just heard a message on murmuring and complaining, right? Pastor just mentioned that. I think it was Sunday uh, about murmuring and complaining. You can get that on the podcast. But as a church, we can't expect our church to grow or to reach more in their community if we're doing nothing and we're not reproducing after our kind. Amen? we got to be motivated about getting the word out, about telling others about Christ. But when we are willing to put our hands to the plow 
When we are willing to sow gospel seeds, when we are willing to be unified in our efforts, then we will reap a harvest, amen? That's the way it works. <clears throat> but we, we do need to be about our Father's business. We can't work our way into heaven. I'm, I know you know that. I'm not saying that at all, but we need to be doing what God wants us to be doing, and that's sowing gospel seed, right? Telling others about Christ. That's the bottom line. That's what we need to be doing. Using the talents, using the abilities, using the time, using the resources that he's given to us to be able to affect others and those around us. Impacting those around us today to bear fruit for eternity and reap that golden harvest as we sung about uh, here just a little bit ago. So you might be able to fool those around you for a time, but guess what? You can't fool God, right? Be not deceived. God is not mocked, right? He knows your hearts. He knows our hearts. And, uh, and his law says that uh, you will reap what you sow. You may remember back in Genesis uh, 27 and 29, uh, talking about Jacob here, when he deceived his father. Remember, he put the goat's hair on his arm, uh, trying to pretend that he was uh, his brother Esau because he wanted the blessing. Uh, so he was kind of uh, deceiving his father there. Uh, now fast forward to when Jacob left home uh, to go uh, live with his uncle. He falls in love with his, uh, with his uncle's daughter, Rachel. So you know the story there. They plan to get married. They have the wedding. And on the wedding night, Jacob lifts the veil off of his, expecting his bride to be there, Rachel. And what happens? It wasn't Rachel. It was the sister, right? So what happened there? So now he was deceived, right? He was sowing deceit. And now when it came harvest time, he was deceived. That's kind of how it works there, right? How about the Apostle Paul? Surely the Apostle Paul, this doesn't affect the Apostle Paul, right? He was kind of, he was kind of the all out there. Uh, well, you know, before his conversion there, Saul, uh, he was kind of the leader when it came to stoning and, and, uh, and uh, persecuting Christians. But what happened to Saul after his conversion when he was in uh, Lystra there and certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium persuaded the people? What happened, to, what happened to Saul? Got stoned, or Paul, right? He was stoned. So it kind of, you know, you reap what you sow kind of a thing there. Just because Paul was converted and his sins were forgiven, that didn't mean that he was able to escape God's law, right? That's the law, God's law. Now the same with us. Our God is a just God, and he's no respecter of persons, and there are consequences for our actions, right? Consequences for our actions. You reap what you sow. God means what he says, and he says what he means, Right? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Aren't you glad that when you accepted Christ, your sins were forgiven, as far as the east is from the west? Praise the Lord for that. Uh, washed in the blood, right? But sometimes we still have that sin that we had in the past. Sometimes those scars are still left over. Sometimes there's still some scars there. It doesn't mean that we'll never experience uh, consequences for our past there. And also doesn't mean that God can't use us anymore, right? God wants to still use us. When we're saved, and we're saved, we're serving, we're sold out for God. We need to continue to do that. Our past is in the past. We need to just keep moving forward. But sometimes there's consequences for those sins in our life. I know I'm still suffering from those consequences. I have a learning disability. I never learned how to learn when I was younger. I failed out of high school, those kinds of things. So it struggles for me to, to learn and study and all those things. That's a consequence from my, from my sowing of younger years. Now I'm reaping the consequence of that. But it didn't stop me from serving the Lord, right? We can still keep going. We can still keep doing, still keep doing those things. But sin will continue as long as we're in this flesh. And when we sow to the flesh, the results will, uh, uh, of what we have uh, sown in the past, those scars of sin, if you will, um, they'll still be there, uh, even after we're saved. Think of it this way. Sowing is our actions and reaping is the results of our actions. You think of it that way. Uh, for all the good that Moses did, the Lord didn't allow him into the promised land, did he? 
right? What, what did he do there? Uh, he was disobedient, and he reaped God's punishment, and God wouldn't let him in there because God is a just God, right? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. The Word of God assures us that everyone will have a harvest one day. Everyone will have a harvest one day. You will reap what you sow. That's a promise. So the question we're considering here tonight is, what will your harvest be? What will your harvest be? What are you sowing now that eventually will be coming up in the future? What is it now that, that you're sowing that will eventually be growing, right? One of those things. So in the time that we have left here tonight, I'll try to be brief here. I'll talk fast if you listen fast, okay? <laughs> I want to highlight just a few additional thoughts as we consider this question and tie it together here. So first, what your harvest will look like will be determined by how well you prepare your field, how well you prepare your soil. Preparation is obviously an important first step. Uh, before a farmer can expect any type of harvest, he must first prepare his field, right? Prepare that soil to receive the seed. He needs to remove the rocks, the weeds, all those things that will restrict growth of whatever that seed he puts in the ground, whatever he's wanting to come up. He needs to prepare that field. If he doesn't properly prepare the soil, he can't expect to have a good harvest, can he? Right? If there's still rocks in there, there's still weeds in there, and we'll get into that a little bit, it's going to get choked out on those kinds of things. Uh, driving into church here tonight, many fields at various stages of preparation. Some fields were being tilled, some had been uh, seeded already uh, and showed signs of growth. Some have uniform color, you know, it's all green or it's all brown with the wheat or whatever it is out there. And, uh, you know, we constantly see these big machines moving back and forth uh, in the fields there. And I learned it's pretty interesting that some of these big machines here, they can seed and harvest 1,200 acres per day. Uh, they're computerized, computer-driven, and everything's, you know, digital nowadays. These big tractors and things, they just kind of sit there and watch it kind of go back and forth. And that's pretty interesting. That's a lot. You know, it's amazing. I don't know if you ever, when you're driving down the road, you see those rows, you try to kind of look, and it's just like a perfectly straight row of corn or whatever it is. And that's because it's all digitally done now. It's all computer-driven there with these big tractors. Uh, but uh, one of Sam's first jobs when he was younger, uh, our uh, neighbor had a garden, a big garden that uh, he was going to be planting, and, and he said, hey, Sam, why don't you come help me prepare the garden? You know, those of you who do gardening know that preparing the garden means weeding and taking the rocks out and those kinds of things, right? It's kind of a good job, a good character-building job for a young teenager, right? Uh, get out there. So he was out there in the rain and the, and the wind and, and, uh, uh, and the heat and all those things, pulling rocks and uh, uh, preparing the field there, preparing the garden. And uh, when it came time for harvest, uh, we had a lot of veggies that year because the field was prepared properly. Now, when it comes to our harvest as Christians, our heart is like that farmer's field. Before we can expect to put anything into anybody else, before we can expect a great harvest of souls, we must first prepare our field, right? We must be preparing our field. We must remove any rocks of sin, any weeds of bitterness from our heart before we can expect anything to grow in our lives, let alone impact somebody else's life. So the harvest you reap depends on how well you prepare your soil. Uh, Jeremiah 4.3 says, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. So how does your field look tonight? you got some thorns in there, some rocks still in there, maybe some things you're dealing with you're trying to get rid of. And keep at it. Keep plowing that ground. Keep preparing that field. Let God take his plow to your fallow ground, that hard ground that might be there, and let him break up that rocky soil of your heart so when his seed falls there, it'll be able to grow and plant, as we'll get into here in just a second. You know, sometimes our, our callousness and apathetic hearts will keep us from preparing that soil and having that spiritual growth. 
Hosea uh, chapter 10 and verse 12 says this, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up that fallow ground, that, that untilled, that hard soil, right? Break up that fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and reigneth righteousness upon you. Folks, it's time to seek the Lord, amen? We need to keep seeking the Lord. We need to keep our focus on him and what he's doing in our lives, what he wants to do through our lives. We need to continue to be serious about preparing our field. The most important part of, uh, of the field to a farmer is about 10 to 16 inches below the surface. 10 to 16 inches, that first 10 to 16 inches is known as the topsoil. And that's where all the nutrients are. That's the rich part uh, of the soil there for the farmer. And that helps when the seeds are grown there and it's tilled, that helps the seed to take root and to germinate. Did you know that the most important place that God has for us is about 10 to 16 inches down as well from our head to our heart, right? That's what's important to God. That's what he wants to till over. That's where the richest soil of our lives are. So when he plants that seed in our life, that it's ready to germinate. It's ready to take root so that we can grow and that we can produce a harvest and, and be an encouragement uh, to others as well. That's the epicenter, epicenter of who we are, is our hearts. So we need to be preparing our hearts, folks. Amen? So preparation is important. Secondly, what your harvest will look like depends on where the seed is planted, where the seed is planted. So now you can turn to Mark 4. Uh, if, you're, if you found your place there, turn to Mark 4. Some familiar verses here. Mark chapter 4. Here we find at least four uh, distinct places where seed is sown or planted. In uh, Mark 4, uh, chapter, chapter 4, 14 and 15 verses, says this, The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard... Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So first we see seed that is sown by the wayside. Uh, seed here being the word of God. You can think of this as a seed being sown to a solid heart. A solid heart, right? The seed was sown, but it had nowhere to take root. So maybe even think of it like it just hits the wood here. And just there's no way for it to germinate, no way for it to take root, right? It's sown to a hard heart. It's not accepted there because there's nowhere to take root. Now, how many times does the seed of God's word fall on our heart as we're listening to preaching, we're listening to teaching, the seed of God's word falls there, but there's nothing there to take root. It doesn't germinate. You know, we need to keep our hearts tender and in tune with the Lord, right? So when that seed does fall, that it doesn't fall on that hard ground, that it falls on ground that's ready to be received so it can grow. Amen. The second place uh, we see that seed is sown is on stony ground. You can think of this as seed being sown to a shallow heart. Uh, look here in verses 16 and 17. It says, And these are they uh, likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately received it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time, but for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Uh, so here maybe, uh, you know, there's still some rocks of sin left behind there uh, in the soil from not properly being prepared, or maybe God's word only penetrated just a couple inches down, and it just didn't have enough uh, uh, to take root there. The, the word was received, uh, but it didn't have application maybe. Maybe it didn't make application uh, to, to that message there. Maybe the winds of persecution came by after you left the church or after you read your Bible and the Lord was trying to get some seed in there, but uh, because there was no root, because the heart was not prepared, was not ready, it didn't take root. It was shallow. The roots were too shallow there. And when that storm came, it just, just blew that seed away. I think I used this example once uh, before here of a tumbleweed. 
You know, tumbleweeds, when they grow, uh, they grow very big on the surface, right? They look like they're really big, sometimes can get very big. But their, their root system is very, very shallow, very small root system. So, so when a wind comes, they, they only have a little root here, and this big on the, out, on the surface, the wind just is able to rip it right away. Uh, but, you know, we need to not have a tumbleweed kind of a faith, right? We need to have a deeper faith in that, a faith like that big oak tree that's on the corner of the, of the property. I don't know if you ever see it uh, as you're coming up. I don't know what the street is there, but there's a huge, huge oak tree uh, right there on the corner just before you come up the big hill to the church here. I mean, you see the big roots. I mean, it's, it's there. I mean, there's winds that come, and it's not going anywhere. Uh, but that's not like a tumbleweed, right? We need to have a, like an oak tree kind of a faith there. Uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about. So, you know, our faith needs to have those deep roots there. So when the slightest winds come or persecution or challenges come, we'll remain steadfast, right? We'll remain unmovable, and we'll, we'll always be abounding in the work of the Lord there. So the third place that seed is sown is among thorns. Uh, you can also think of it as seed being sown to a strangled heart, right? Because what happens when, uh, when there's weeds and things in there uh, trying to grow? If you've ever worked in a garden, it almost kind of strangles that plant, Right? Uh, so that's kind of what's going, what the picture is here. Uh, verses 18 and 19 says this, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, uh, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So here in these verses we see uh, uh, the word is once again heard, and starts to take root, uh, but is soon choked off, because the heart is not ready uh, to receive that seed. You know, maybe tonight you realize that, uh, that you've been hastily preparing your field. Maybe you've been kind of pulling just the top parts of the weeds off to make it look nice on the surface, right? But those weeds are still down there. They're still below. So when, when challenges come and persecutions come, those weeds are going to come back and they're going to choke out that word that's trying to be set in there. You know, we need to grab those roots out, uh, those weeds, those rocks of sin, all those things, and just get rid of them, plow our field, make sure it's prepared and ready so when that seed comes... It'll have room to grow, and nothing will be able to restrict its growth there. So we need to let, let that happen, have a ready field, a ready heart that's constantly being tilled and worked over so when the Lord's ready to plant that seed, that it will fall on good ground. And that leads us up to the fourth place where seed is sown here in Mark chapter 4, verse 20, and that seed sown to a steady heart, a steady heart. A steady heart here means a receptive heart, a heart that has been well-prepared, well-tended to, and uh, and ready to receive the seed, not only ready to receive the seed, but ready to produce. Here in verse 20, it says, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive the word, or receive it, and bring forth fruit, some 30, uh, 30 fold, some 60, and 100. So we didn't see a fruitful harvest with those other three examples, did we? But we do here. The difference here is the ground. The ground was properly prepared. The field was ready to receive that seed. In each of those other case, in each of the cases here, the word was heard, but there was no fruit from those first three because there was obstacles in the way. There were challenges in the way. There was rocks of sin or bitterness, whatever. There was something restricting the growth. That's why, uh, that's why it didn't grow. But here in verse 20, we see what happens when a field is properly prepared with no restrictions. Rocks of sin and thorns of deceit, bitterness, pride, all removed. So when the seed was sown, it was planted on good ground able to take root, and came forth an abundant harvest. That's the difference. That's where we need to be, folks. We need to have that field that's ready to receive seed so that it will be able to grow. A properly prepared and planted field will bring forth fruit, some 60, or some 30, 60, and 100 fold. So the final point here, and I'll be done. Everybody's like, amen. <laughs> All right. So to have a good harvest, we not only see that preparation is important, 
Where the seed is planted is important. But finally, we also see the importance of being persistent. Being persistent. And Tim mentioned this Sunday night, and uh, Mary uh, talked, we talked about it during prayer time, with being persistent, praying for your relatives, praying for your loved ones, right? Never give up. Be persistent at these kinds of things. Now let's go back to Galatians 6, and we'll finish up here. We'll be back in Galatians 6. So Paul's encouraging the church not to give up when he says, don't become weary in well-doing, right? For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. So he's saying, don't get tired of doing the right thing. Don't get tired of preparing and planting and plowing. Just hang in there and be persistent, amen? That's what we need to do. Be persistent. Especially in our day today, we must use the time that the Lord has given us to tell others about Christ, to sow the seeds of the gospel while we can. Did I mention VBS? Did I mention we got time on this Saturday, right? VBS, Saturation Saturday. That's our time to get the gospel out, right? I think we've said it a few times this week. It's pretty important as a church. We've got to do that. It's our reasonable service. This is your opportunity. Just throwing it out there. So we need to let Rapid City know that, uh, that we are a church that preaches the gospel, and we want to teach them the truth. And that's what we're here for. How about that land that we have in Box Elder? That's a nice 30 acres of land out there, isn't it? Right? I don't know about you, but I don't want that 30 acres to just sit empty the whole time I'm a member of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. Are you praying for that land? I want to see the Lord do something special. Not, not just here with our church, but I want to see Him do something that we have no idea that He can do in that land out there in the 30 acres. All for reaching souls with the gospel. And we need to do that. We need to be in prayer for that. We need to be persistent. Are you persistent in praying for seeing the Lord move in, in ways like that? If we do nothing, we can expect nothing, right? That's just the way it is. But if we don't give up, and if we're mindful of keep preparing our hearts, keep planting the seed, keep being persistent in prayer, and not getting discouraged, the Bible says in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We have no idea how much longer that, uh, that we'll be able to enjoy these freedoms that we have today. Freedom to print, freedom to preach, right? Freedom to plow, freedom to plant, freedom to propagate. <laughs> All these peas. I, I was running out of things here. But we must be persistent and we must be prepared, amen? Got to keep on moving forward with the gospel. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. We may not be the one that leads someone to the Lord, but when our hearts are prepared, uh, we can be used uh, to maybe plant a seed in someone's life and that can produce a harvest uh, that's 30, 60, 100 fold. Now, Matthew Henry said this, There is a recompense of reward in reserve for all who sincerely employ themselves in well-doing, uh, that this reward will certainly be bestowed on us in the proper season, if not in this world, yet undoubtedly in the next. Uh, but then, that is upon supposition that we faint not in the way of our duty. Uh, if we grow weary of it and withdraw from it, we shall not only miss of this reward, but lose the comfort and, and advantage of what we have already done. Then he goes on to say this, But if we hold on and hold out in well-doing, though our reward may be delayed, yet it will surely come, and will be so great as to make an abundant recompense for all our pains and consonancy. I love that English. It's just old words, but basically saying don't give up, right? Keep on plowing. Keep on moving forward. God will bless. If we just throw in the towel, we can't expect anything, right? You reap what you sow. But then he sums it up this way. He said, perseverance in well-doing is our wisdom and interest as well as our duty, uh, for this is the only reward promised. So as we wrap things up tonight, and I got three minutes, so I'm, I'm going to get you out here early, amen? What, three minutes? 
I just want to mention just a couple of things here. We go back to that question that we, that we started with. What will your harvest be? What will your harvest be? What are you sowing now that will eventually be growing? What are you sowing that will eventually be growing? The harvest you reap tomorrow will be determined by the seeds you are sowing today. I came across this when I was studying, so I don't want to just kind of let it go. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you here. I thought it was pretty neat. It says, uh, you reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, you reap more than you sow. And I thought that was pretty neat. Kind of a good progression, right? Uh, as we keep sowing, we obviously uh, reap what we sow, but we reap after we sow. The blessings will continue or the cursings will continue, right? Uh, and it'll keep continuing even after we sow, uh, the good or the bad. Uh, so we got to keep that in mind. Be mindful uh, that you reap what you sow. And I pray that your prayer is to continue staying faithful, uh, being persistent, uh, plowing your field, and let the Lord work over that field, uh, planting the seed so when it's planted, it'll grow in you, and then it'll grow from you, and you can be a blessing to others. Amen? Well, thank you for your attention tonight. Uh, let's uh, close in a word of prayer.